Uh, today, today we're going to reading from Acts 6. Acts 6. So if you want to look it up, Acts 6, verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> been enjoying the, the series with the net, with, um, on Acts. It's been good. Um, I think it's good to, to see how the early church worked and also to, to encourage us to, um, to follow in their footsteps, I think. So. All right, Acts 6, everyone there? <clears throat> now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number... The Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paminus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you, Steve. I was at a family celebration yesterday for my grandmother's 100th birthday. And uh, what a party it was, hey? One other person here was at that party. Huge family, all right? Massive. There was, how many would have been there? 100 and, Simon, you counted, how many people would have been there? 120 or maybe more, I don't know, there was a lot anyway, so a, a huge family. But uh, who knows that big families require a lot of organisation. Took quite a bit of organising to get that many people together and thankfully I really didn't have to do much of the organising at all. But, but big families need a bit of organising and need a bit of structure, don't they? And really any family needs structure to function well don't they? If you've been a parent, you're nodding right now. You understand. If, if, you, have, if you have children, um, you, you require some, some routine and structure. A family without roles or allocation of jobs or routines, it'd be a family in chaos. Sometimes it's still a family in chaos, even with <laughs> roles and, and structure and routine, isn't it? Of course, the bigger the family, the greater the need for structure and routine. And what we see in Acts chapter 6 is we see that the church community has, has grown 
And it's grown to the point that it was starting to struggle with its existing structures and routines. What we're going to do today is we're going to have a little bit of a closer look at, at their difficulties and how the apostles solved those difficulties, what they did. And what we see in the passage that Steve just read for us was that there was quite a bit of tension happening between the, the Jewish widows of different linguistic or ethnic groups. Uh, what you would have seen in that culture and society is normally one's biological uh, family would have taken care of the needs of, of widows or people in their old age. But by placing their faith in Christ um, and becoming part of this new movement called the church, we, we, we're sort of seeing that some of those family ties and obligations were probably severed. And so there was a need for this new church family to take care of the needs of the widows. Now, the church must have had some sort of welfare program happening. And really what we see in Acts is right from the birth of the church, there's a pooling of resources, isn't there? There's a, there's a care for one another. Uh, there's, a, there's a mutual support and a looking after one's uh, own people within the church. And so there's this conflict here between the, the Hellenists and the, the Hebrews. Now, the Hellenists aren't just the people that are different to the Hebrews that the Hebrews think are going to hell. It's a little bit of a misnomer there with, with Hellenists. Hellenists is kind of referring to Greek, all right, the, the kind of the Greek cultured people. So the Hellenist Jews were complaining that their widows were getting overlooked uh, when the food was distributed. So we had these Greek-speaking Jews who'd uh, possibly, um, you know, lived outside of Jerusalem in the wider Greek-speaking world. And then we had the Aramaic-speaking Jews. They were like the Palestinian Jews from sort of Galilee and Judea kind of area. And so you probably know that bringing together a large group of diverse people brings with it a little bit of difficulty. Have you ever noticed that? When you bring together diverse people, a little bit of difficulty at times arises, doesn't it? Whether that the problems they were having were primarily to do with a clash of culture or whether it was just because the group was too large to kind of handle the kind of ad hoc, casual manner that they were operating in. Possibly it was just a combination of both, wasn't it? Um, but there, there were problems. And so in a page right out of Moses's uh, father-in-law's playbook, the apostles know that they need to delegate. They need to delegate the job to allow them time to adequately devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. And they know that if they try and lead everything or run everything, they'd eventually run out of steam. They'd really end up not running or leading anything effectively at all and they'd wear themselves out in the process. Have you ever worn yourself out by trying to do it all and do too much? It's just my hand up. Oh no, Baxter as well. Yep, all right, now, yep, yep, all right, now we're being honest. <laughs> I love what they do. Like, I love their solution here. Because do you know what they do? They don't just, um, you know, listen to some how to get more out of your daily life podcasts or something, all right? They, they empower others. They empower the church community to help solve 
the problem. Maybe today I'm preaching it myself, but um, I'm, I'm laying some groundwork here. <laughs> right. uh, they empower the church. With guidance from the apostles, the community is told to go and choose some men who can oversee this service that the church was providing. And so the apostles tell them that these these men needed to have certain personal and certain faith qualifications. And then the apostles laid hands on them, prayed over them and and commissioned them off into this official ministry. And the result was the, the complaining stopped, the disunities halted, and the word of God continued to spread. What a good result. We see that a number, the number of disciples increased and even many of the priests become followers of Jesus. That's quite a significant thing right there. This was a very successful delegation of authority and we should take notice. So the main point I see here, the main thing for us, I think, to see in Acts chapter 6 is this. A healthy church is going to have healthy structures. Now, the three functions of a healthy church that I see in Acts chapter 6, they're right here. You'll see that they're caring for one another and they're meeting needs. You'll see that there's a ministry of the word and of prayer and you'll see that there's salvations. People are coming to faith through the ministry of the church. Right there, three functions of a healthy church. This is the fruit. This is the product of a church. When it's working well, this stuff is going to be happening. And and I think you'll agree, like we want to be a church like that, don't we? Do you want to be a church like this? Do you want to see this as the fruit of our gathering and our meeting? Amen. Yes, of course you do. I know your heart. Churches today are to look like this. And our mission today as followers of Jesus remains the same as it did right back then in the time of Acts. But the question for us is how do we structure ourselves as a family, as this community of believers that actually enables us to do these things effectively? You know, I want to empower you. I want to empower us together as the church to do this. And look, we're almost six months into our post-COVID reboot. And I think now is the ideal time to start getting a little bit more intentional uh, about our our vision, our values, our teams, our structures, our ministry roles. So we're going to have a look at Acts chapter 6 and we're going to see that this healthy church has healthy structures and we're going to see what this might mean for us our church, CRC Kuhlerman, in 2022. Are you ready? Here are the healthy structures that I think a healthy church is going to have. Number one, a healthy church will release people to minister according to their gift and their calling. We will see that people are empowered to have ownership over decisions that affect them. We'll see certain qualifications or character standards for appointing people to lead or volunteer in our ministries. And finally, we're going to have structures that empower the the mission rather than stifle it. So let's look at each one of those 
in a little bit more detail and see how they apply to us. So number one, people are released to minister according to their gift and calling. Acts 6 verse 2. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, it's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait at tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. And what they said pleased the whole community. The apostles knew their primary calling. They had a conviction that their role was to preach. Their role was to teach the word of God. They knew that their role was to devote a significant portion of their time to prayer. And I think that that was both prayer uh, on behalf of the church, you know, praying for the church in their own personal time, but I think it was also prayer ministry to individuals, going and praying for the sick, the oppressed, um, those needing some sort of prayer ministry. And the apostles knew that if they were busy distributing welfare to the widows, they're not going to have time for this. It would hinder their primary calling. It would hinder their their responsibility. And what I love here is that the church was on the same page. They didn't expect their leaders to do it all. And I think churches that expect their leaders to do it all, firstly, they're not operating biblically, all right? Um, But secondly, they burn their leaders out. And they reduce the spiritual efficacy, the spiritual power, because they're hindering the time that their leader has to devote to prayer and study and to discerning God's word and God's vision for the local church. And I think if you have to think about some of the the big name or famous pastors or leaders of of large churches or large networks that that end up uh, getting themselves into a bit of trouble that end up behaving in an emotionally uh, or morally uh, destructive way, shall we say, I think for those particular leaders, too much responsibility has been placed on them, too much has hinged on them as the leader and pastor, and they're just not able to devote enough time to prayer, to the word, to their, their primary calling, to their primary responsibility because they're too busy administering large organisations. They're busy running programs and they burn out and they lose their way and things go amiss. I think we also see in Acts chapter 6 that the apostles knew that other people were called, other people were gifted to meet those needs. So not only did they not have time and it wasn't their primary calling, but it was other people's primary calling to meet those needs. And the seven men who were chosen to organise this daily distribution of food, they were men that had the skills to do it, quite simply. They had the ability for this role. And and so they'd be effective. Who knows that when you have the skills and you have the heart and the passion for a role, you're actually quite effective in it. And who knows that when you're, you're in a spot where you really don't feel called, you really don't feel equipped or skilled and well, funnily enough, you end up not being all that effective at that particular role, do you? All right. And so these men, uh, the early church, they had a conviction that church is a team. Church is a family. It's a body where all members are to contribute their own unique abilities and, and skills for the blessing and for the building up of each other. 
Why don't you have a look? Turn to the person next to you or beside them. Just eyeball them for a bit. All right? Just eyeball them. And say, I'm here to, to bless you and to build you up in faith. Why don't you just say that to the people near you? I'm here to bless you and to build you up in faith. Hey? How good's that? Hey? Do you believe that? Is that true? Yes. When we have the right person in the right job, everyone is fulfilled and the ministry of the church it thrives. Question for you. Is church a team? Do you desire to contribute into the life of CRC Kuhlman? Think about it. Are you using your gifts in a ministry area of our church? And when I talk about gifts and calling, I just want to maybe clarify here. I know some people will say I have a, maybe someone might have a gift as a mum. They might say my, my calling is, is, you know, God's just called me to be a mother or God's called me to be a farmer or a, a scientist or whatever it might be. Um, I, I want to say today I'm not just talking about your occupation or the work that, that God has called you to because I really do believe that in addition to our daily work, we all have a role to play in church life, don't we? And, and so what I'm talking about today is our, our life together as disciples of Jesus and this shared mission that we have as the local church in the Kuhleman Shire. We are contributors, not consumers. I want to see people encouraged and supported to be regularly and intentionally serving this church in a way that is meaningful and significant to the ministry in this town. And look, I will say this is happening. It's not that this isn't happening in our church. Um, but, but I think probably this is an area we can continue to build on and see that everyone who's connected in our church has a, a significant and a meaningful role to play, not just some of us. This must be part of our values as a church moving forward into the future. And so the question I have for each of you is this, what might it look, what might it look like for you to be regularly, intentionally serving in this church? in a meaningful way. Daydream for a moment. If, you, if there were no limits, hey, if the Holy Spirit came and said, I am now empowering you to do whatever, what do you think it would be? What's he, what's he putting on your heart? What's he empowering you to do? There were no limits. What would be your role in this church? What would you like to contribute? And then I'd say, well, what's stopping you? Because I reckon it's not the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because I think if we've gotten anything from Acts, we know that the Spirit will come upon you in power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's not a lack of Holy Spirit power and offer. What's stopping you? And maybe what support or encouragement do you need? Come and tell me. I'm not a mind reader. I mean, I think I've got most people pretty well pegged. But I can't really read your minds. Not yet, anyway. 
come and tell me. What encouragement do you need? What support do you need? What opportunities do you need? I want to know. A healthy church has healthy structures. People are released to minister according to their gifts and their calling. Number two, people are empowered to have ownership over decisions that affect them. I just love how the apostles kind of throw it back on the church community. It's like, oh, you've got a problem, have you? Oh, right, well, here, solve the problem. Okay? Um, they, they, they ask the church community to, to choose the seven and then the apostles endorse them or commission them into service. And so I think in a healthy church, there's a good balance between... Um, uh, decision making, good balance in decision making between the leaders and the wider church. And I, I really do think that that's important because people need to have ownership, don't we, over things that affect us. And when you have ownership over something, you're going to value it and you're going to support it. The church knew what sort of people were needed so that the ministry to the um, Hebrew and Hellenistic Jews would be successful. They knew their people. They knew who would be good at the job. And they identified those people and they chose them and then the apostles commissioned them into service. Now, I do know, I do understand though that this, this empowering the local church to make decisions can be taken to the extreme, can't they? Um, where every decision about, you know, every paint colour <laughs> and, you know, whether to put a, like a fence around a church building or something can, can kind of get stuck in discussion and committees for a decade or more. And, and actually I have heard a story of a church where, um, yes, it did take probably up to 15 years to make a decision on putting a fence around a church. Um, there are horror stories and I'm sure you've probably heard a few horror stories too about those decision by committee sort of things. Um, we need to have a smart balance, don't we, between empowering people to have ownership over ministry decisions, but also to allow leaders to lead and make decisions. And so in Acts 6, even though the people are obviously given the task of choosing these men, it was also the apostles who uh, firstly delegated that choice to them, but also uh, the apostles gave guidance about the types of men who would be suitable to choose. And then finally, it was the apostles who kind of had the final say on the matter, the final confirmation on, um, on, uh, by prayer and laying on of hands for these men. So I think we see here in Acts chapter 6 quite a healthy balance in uh, power and decision making. So for us, I'm going to be inviting you to a church meeting and I want us together to discuss some of the key things that are going to affect us as a church moving forward into the future because I want us all to have ownership over the life and the ministry of this church. All right, so, so more on that later, but just hold that thought. I'll be inviting you to a meeting, all right? A healthy church has healthy structures. People are empowered to have ownership over decisions that affect them. Next, this leads us to number three. There are certain qualifications, or you could say character standards perhaps, for appointing people. The apostles didn't just say, hey, just whoever's willing to do the job, just get them up there because gosh darn it, we need someone, anyone. Doesn't matter who they are. Just anyone who sticks their hand up. 
They didn't say that, did they? They didn't say choose whoever you want. They said this, verse 3. They said, therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to the task. So what we see is there are certain um, eligibility criteria, shall we say, for uh, being involved in the ministry and the volunteer work of the local church. So the first thing is you need to be someone of good standing or good repute. So the people who were chosen were respected by people. You know, it's very difficult to put someone in a, a role in a church if they have a bad reputation, if they're known as being difficult or offensive or strange or a bit unstable in some way. Their reputation very quickly becomes the church's reputation, doesn't it? And uh, their service to the church very quickly is overshadowed by some of their interpersonal deficiencies. And and I I must say, we we also as a church, we have an obligation or responsibility to actually protect others from harm. And so we do need to be careful about who we allow to fulfil certain roles that directly affect people. And so I would always rather be a bit more cautious in appointing people to certain roles. And and sometimes I will just stop and watch and observe and and discern, um, you know, who someone is, how they interact with other people, what their heart is, why, why they are here. Uh, before I I want to see them uh, in certain roles. Nextly, people need to be wise. And this is not just about being full of knowledge, is it? This is about knowing how to apply knowledge in a way that is loving and insightful. We don't want foolish, reckless, unthoughtful people in significant roles, do we? Because they're going to be unreliable, they're going to be ineffective, and they will also be potentially harmful to people. Next, they need to be full of the Spirit. I hope as we journey through Acts, the message of the importance of being filled with the Spirit is clear to you. Our mission as the church, our purpose, our effectiveness, all centres around the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can walk in the fullness of the Spirit, meaning we're empowered by the Spirit, we're equipped by the Spirit to do things with a courage and an effectiveness and a boldness and a power that we don't have on our own. You don't have what it takes on your own to be an effective minister and servant in the body of Christ. Go and join the Lions Club if you want to do it in your own strength. That's why you join the church, isn't it? (laughs) It just came to mind. The Rotary Club. (laughs) The Rotary Club. Um, We're here as a church and we minister out of the power and the, the life of the Spirit in us. There's a supernatural dimension to our church life and ministry. And so you must be filled with the Spirit. And this is not about, you know, do you believe in Jesus and have eternal life with him? The question is, are you full with the Spirit? Are you? 
Are you full with the Spirit? Is He living in you? Is He nourishing you? Is He equipping you? Is He he placing this little joy inside of you that you can't help but want to get stuck in a church life? You know, I remember when I was first uh, filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. You can give it all sorts of names. You can call it baptised in the Spirit. I I really don't care what you call it. Um, It's the effects of it that we're excited about, isn't it? And the effects of being filled, immersed, saturated in the Holy Spirit is that you can't help but want to be part of church life. I remember thinking on Monday morning that it was killing me that it was going to be a whole till Tuesday that I got to get together with my church to pray with them. Like I'd only seen them on Sunday and I had to wait until Tuesday to be praying together with other believers. Like it's just where the spirit of the God is. You just can't help but want to minister and give and be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you filled with the spirit, church? We need to be full of the Spirit, we need to be wise, and we need to be people of good standing. Do you have those qualifications? Are you someone who can be relied upon? Are you a safe person? Are you respected by others? Are you wise? Are you full of the Spirit? I think it's helpful for us to just occasionally stop and take stock of this stuff. And if if you feel like you're lacking in some way in these areas... Would you be intentional about allowing God to transform you in that aspect of your life? And, you know, this isn't a sermon on spiritual formation or on personal holiness, so I won't expand. But I do want to just emphasise for us to be effective in our corporate mission, this church needs to be like Jesus in character and in power too. And so would you make that a priority? in your own personal devotional life. A healthy church has healthy structures. We have standards for appointing people. Number four, this is our last one. A healthy church has structures that empower the mission rather than stifle it. For the church in Acts 6 to function well and to meet the needs of people and to be a missional evangelistic church, people were appointed to these specific roles. Now, I think it's a bit of a misconception um, that an Acts church was just a kind of an organic church that just kind of like naturally flowed with the spirit. You know, just kind of did whatever it felt led to do in the moment uh, without any need at all for structure or organisation or planning or strategy or hierarchy or administration. And and I think as such, the institutional or or we could say the organised church gets um, demonised a bit. I think too often we spiritualise the spontaneous. Have you noticed that? We kind of think that if, if we do something spontaneously, it must be the spirit. Maybe. Maybe it is, but not necessarily. Sometimes, the spirit, sometimes it's the spirit and sometimes it's just plain chaotic and random. Clearly in the New Testament there were leaders 
There was a structure to their meeting times and places. There, there was the organised distribution of welfare and some people were appointed to teach, some weren't. We see gift lists in Romans and, and Corinthians talk about things like the gift of administration. When was the last time a preacher ever called you out the front and said, I want to anoint you with the gift of administration? I reckon we should do that today. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Structure, organisation, strategy. They're actually an expression of God's nature. They are. God is a God of order. He's a God of design. He's a, he's a God of structure. Things in our world, they're organised. They're predictable. They're not chaotic and random and kind of like floaty, are they? I mean, that's why science and maths works, isn't it? Now, none of us want admin for admin's sake or structure just to kind of be a big organisation. That's, that's really rather dull, isn't it? But when we can structure and organise our church in a way that facilitates our mission, that enables us to achieve our vision, our values, that, that propels us into action, then I tell you what, admin can be a vital tool that sees us thrive as a church. And look, the first six months of this, this reboot that we've had, I've allowed things to be fairly simple, not too much structure, not too much strategy, just while we find our feet again and kind of figure out who's, who's kind of committed to this church and, and, and the ministry in, in the Coolerman Shire. And I'm feeling like it is now time for us to start uh, looking at this. And it's not that I suddenly want to create a zillion roles and structures, but I, I think we need to start looking at what we need to do in order to fulfil our mission in this community. It's time to start fleshing out our values a bit more and our vision. And actually, I love in Acts 6 that there's really quite a good basic structure we see there. Um, you know, in Acts 6, we see there's pastoral ministry, all right, so the meeting of practical needs, the caring for one another, the looking after people, and, and then there's a prayer and preaching ministry. And so we see the apostles responsible for this prayer ministry, this teaching of the word, the, the evangelism, those sorts of things. There's a pastoral wing, there's a teaching, preaching, prayer wing. Um, it's not complicated, but it's focused on their mission, isn't it? So a healthy church, a healthy church, us, a healthy church will have healthy structures. So if we, CRC Coolerman, want to be a church that cares for each other, cares for our community, meets people's needs. If we want to be a church that uh, ministers the word effectively, prays effectively, if we want to be a church that sees salvations and sees people coming to faith through our ministry, we're going to need to be working towards some healthy structures like these ones in Acts chapter 6. And as I said, I'm going to be organising a meeting time and it is an open invite. If your heart is for CSC Coolerman, if your heart is for the Coolerman Shire, I want you to come to that meeting. If you call CSC Coolerman your home church, come to that meeting. All right, will you make it a priority?
keep an eye out. I'll be communicating via text and, and on Sundays when that meeting will be. But I, I want you to start getting excited. I want you to start being prayerful about what's your role in our local church here in Coolamon. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the, um, the inspiration that you have given us in the book of Acts. We thank you for the, the, the guidance and the insight and the wisdom that we see here in the life of, of the local church in the New Testament. And Lord, our heart is to be a church like that. Our, our heart is to be a church that, that cares for people, that ministers the word, that prays for one another, that sees salvations. And so, Lord, would you shape us and form us as your people, as your church, to be able to fulfill those roles? Lord, would we be a healthy church? Show us how to have healthy structures that enable us to be like this. Lord, would you be a stirring upon the hearts of each and every person, both those here today, but also those who are away, a, a, a desire to minister into this local body and to minister into this local town. Would you be pouring out your spirit and empowering each of us in unique and meaningful and significant ways, Lord? We know that we cannot do what you have called us to do on our own, but we know that we don't have to. And so, um, as always, we are open to you, Lord God Almighty. Fill us full with the Holy Spirit. Renew us refine us, form Christ in us, equip us and empower us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.